Hello and welcome to Designer Discussions. Today we're going to talk about diversity in design. Welcome to the Designer Discussions podcast. Tune in each week where we discuss marketing, branding, PR, and business advice for design professionals. Welcome, everyone. As we end Black History Month, I wanted to actually have a talk on diversity in design, and I'm happy to be joined by Kawana. Uh, she's one of the professors, and she's the head of diversity at the University of Louisiana Lafayette. So how are you today, Kawana? Doing well, doing well. I wanted to have you here because you are on the diversity. You, you actually lead the diversity agenda for your university. And long time ago, I actually talked Kawana way back in the day. I don't want to, I don't want to say my age, <laughs> but she, she's dynamic now. She's risen up the ranks as the director of the diversity at the university. So I wanted to have you on today just to talk a little bit about that because we actually had this topic on Clubhouse when we had a Clubhouse event. And this was one of the most attended Clubhouse events we've ever had. And there were people from all spectrums, whether it was design, education, talking about diversity. And so I wanted, as we close out Black History Month, to actually have a follow-up on that topic. And I wanted to have you here to talk about that. So I'm going to start here and I'm going to just let you explain to our audience a little bit about who you are. Yeah. So um, like uh, Jason described, I'm Kawana McClung. And uh, uh, years ago, you know, Jason taught me at Southern University. Um, but, uh, you know, then I guess I didn't realize, you know, just what I was getting into when I decided that I wanted to take that route, study architecture and get into the architecture profession. Um, but, you know, pr probably around graduate school is when I realized um, just the, the issues, you know, that permeate, you know, the design professions and how hard it is for people of color to get into those um, the, you know, those programs or even just be retained. They may be able to get in, but how do you then keep them and retain those students? So, um, you know, I got very involved in student organizations to help retain my fellow classmates. Um, so the National Organization of Minority Architecture Students was the student organization for minority architects at LSU, which, which, which is where I went to graduate school. And that organization, um, in that organization, I got the chance to just go out to high schools around the city and recruit students and say, hey, have you thought about studying architecture or interior design or any of those um, uh, uh, majors, you know, in college, you know, there's a possible career. And um, a lot of students didn't even know it was possible. They didn't know it was an option. And, 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 and so I jumped into it. Um, very soon after getting out of school, I, I realized that that the problem was was echoing throughout the profession and, and that I wasn't going to see anybody that looked like me doing that kind of work, you know? And so it was, it became an imperative for me to get involved at the national level and at the state level in those organizations and um, try to do what I can to recruit those, those students, um, retain them, give them, give them somebody who was at least on the track that they could look to, um, to know that they could do it. Um, when the chance came up um, just a couple of years after, you know, graduating from graduate school to, to go into academia, 
I, I was like, okay, let me give it a shot. You know, I don't necessarily know if I have um, what it takes to, to do this, but I'm going to go after it. And surprisingly was able to, to get a position at UL Lafayette and jumped right on being the, the uh, student advisor, advisor for the student organization of the National Organization of Minority Architecture Students at UL. And on just recruitment initiatives, I jumped on the recruitment committee for our department. Um, I very quickly spoke up in meetings just about things that I saw that could be a problem in terms of retaining our students of color, um, our, our female students, our minority students, our international students. And um, it was an uphill battle because I think a lot of people just do not understand um, how um, all of the, the issues that, that, that these students face permeate every part of architectural education and profession from the curriculum to the kind of kinds of projects that they are assigned to who they have to look to as a mentor who is out there in the field to you know the type of jobs that that are available to them and to the types of jobs that they are they are able to do when they get out there um, also the licensure component right um, it, it's a it's a big issue for a lot of students um, so um, especially women you know coming out of school around the same time when they're starting families. So we see a lot of that with our, our interior design students. We saw a lot of that with our architecture students. And um, for me, I, I felt like all of those things need to be addressed. So I've dedicated the last 10 years or so just to seeing how we can address all these issues and seeing incremental process, uh, pro progress, I'm sorry, when you, you attack it from all ends. If you're just gonna say, Oh, we recruited. We got some numbers now. Good. We've done what we needed to do. It's not going to work because then how do you retain those students? How do you get them to understand the impact and their place um, in those professions? You know, you, you have to, to do more. Um, just recently, I was asked to step in as interim chief diversity officer for the university. My predecessor and I worked together a whole lot just on initiatives. I would come to her and say, oh, like, this is what I'm doing in my department. And um, I'd love your help with this, or I'd love your advice. Um, and, and she would ask that, that I come in and speak on some of the work that I'm doing, some of the things that I'm doing that, is, that are working. Um, and so when uh, she decided to move on, the university thought that I would be a good fit for the role. So I stepped into the role. And you know, currently, I've been trying to take all of those things that I've learned, you know, just kind of working at a departmental level in my college or working at a national level, you know, by writing papers and doing speeches about it, you know, trying to take those things and spread them, you know, throughout the university and, and push forward the initiatives that my predecessor had already put in place. And I can definitely say it's been a whirlwind, but I think that you all are, I can understand why that clubhouse session was so popular because it is an issue that has been just, you know, it just keeps keeps coming up and people are just kind of at a loss that for a number of years we were just talking about it and then finally we started saying okay let's throw some money at the problem but i think that that we, we what we start we're starting to realize there's a real culture problem you know in the design professions and that culture problem has so many different complex aspects and we need to be honest about looking at those things and figuring out how do we change the culture to accept the people rather than making people try and fit within this very rigid culture. 
love all that you had to say. So I'm going to head back just a little while. When when I talk, minorities only represented 2% of the overall industry. I read a recent study as of, what was that, 2018, it moved up to around 4%. So it's been incremental increase, but <laughs> it's still small. So, and one of the things that when I was at LSU, I used to hear from not just Black students, but Asian, uh, Mexican as well, that they were happy that I was at the university to show that there was somebody else other than the traditional white to actually teach them. Yes. So with what you have now, are you hearing that same thing in you know the university from the students that you have now? Not only from the minority, but also from the traditional white students. Are you hearing that as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, all, all of our students, you know, want to, to work and, you know, in environments in which there are people that are different from them that have different views. They, I think that they grew up in a world that's, a, you know, that's just a little bit more diverse. They're used to different, you know, perspectives and different people and having access to all of these different types of content, all these different types of, of, of opinions. And so they want their their professional environments to look like that. So yes, all of my students, um, the, the interesting thing is, is there are two classes that I, that I teach in the School of Architecture and Design that are diversity, equity, and inclusion related, um, one at the undergraduate level and one at the graduate level. And that's where I get the most input from those students, where I have my white students saying, I never learned about these different things or these different ways that that people's particular culture, you know, aren't accepted into the built environment or these different ways that certain people and their abilities aren't aren't considered in the built environment. Like I never learned about those things. And I wondered how would I address those things as when I go out into the to the profession. And this class gave me ways to do that. So absolutely, Jason, I think across the board. Our students, our international students would speak to me, you know, all the time about all of the things that they were facing that I just had no clue about, but they felt comfortable because they felt like, oh, this is a minority woman. She might understand a little bit of what I'm going through, if, even if she doesn't understand all of it. Let me come to her and tell her that I'm dealing with this issue. And they knew that that I would be empathetic to that issue um, and, and in a lot of ways, point them in the right direction towards solving it. And so, um, yeah, all the students across the board, you know, not just definitely my, my, my students of color, when they when they see me, they're like running up to me like, oh, my God, I have somebody that I can go to if I need to talk to them. But two, my my, my white students are they, they 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 stop and they talk after class and they say, I never knew this. Can I talk more about that? They're researching these things more and more as they transition into graduate school. And it's becoming, you know, imperative for everybody that that we address these issues. So, yes, the students do want this. And I think that that's probably what needs to be recognized first and foremost about it. That it's not just that this we have this changing world and we have to address what's happening in this changing world. It's also that the people that you are teaching are asking that they be educated in ways that allow them to to integrate themselves into a profession where people of all different backgrounds, races, ethnicities, you know, will have to be served and that they understand how to serve them. So you're the head of diversity for the university. Mm -hmm. So in that position, what is happening in other schools of architecture across the country in terms of this topic? 
Uh, in other schools of architecture, you're now we're now seeing a trend where they are creating dedicated positions, especially for those schools that have a little bit more resources, a little bit more money. They're they're creating dedicated positions for people to come in and address diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I brought brought into the school of architecture and design. While I'm pretty sure it would it looked good on them to to have a minority hire. I was not brought in specifically to address diversity, equity, and inclusion issues, but I did because I saw it as being important. Um, now we are starting to see schools of architecture across the country creating dedicated tenure track positions and even deans positions, the deans of diversity, equity, inclusion, um, you know, at their universities in order to fill that gap. They are seeing how important it is to have um, you know, someone in that in that role to to help guide the department, not to take it on all, all the work, but to help guide that department in what they should be doing. And um, and I think too that you know, of course, we know that across the country, you know, chief diversity officers that that's a big position is becoming even bigger now that people are realizing just how much um, they have to handle and, and and how much they have to deal with. Um, but that position. Um, is now getting the supported needs because various departments and other colleges um, across universities are now creating their own little diversity, equity, and inclusion point person that can now work with that chief person on, on particular issues. So I'm glad and happy to see that happening. Um, I, I can tell you myself from being in this position that it is very hard to do the things that you need to do if you don't have a support or a point person across all of these different colleges and departments in order to talk to about what, you know, how, how we all stay on, on track and on board on the same page. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to see that across the country, universities are now pulling people into these roles and thinking about um, how that could become a more connected network of people all working towards the same goal, but probably in different ways because different departments have different needs when it comes to DEI. So um, that, that's what I'm seeing as a trend. From there, how are the universities using the professional realm or uh, the design professionals? How are they using them? And I'll also ask, how do you think the design professionals can become more involved to be an impact to help this be an overall benefit to everyone? Right. So what I've been seeing in the realm of the profession, the profession is been happening in so many different ways. So there's some firms who are actively involved in 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 making sure their firms address DEI issues. Some of that is at their own firm level, just making sure that they are thinking equitably about all of their moves um, throughout, not just the process of filling out their their staff and, and their, their professionals who work in their office, but also in the process of building and, cre and creating architecture. Um, and then there's some firms that are um, uh, just thinking more about how they could get involved with initiatives that are happening outside of their firms. And so they're doing it in that, in that way, getting involved with their local AIA chapter who, that may be planning um, some events and, and, and um, uh, initiatives and doing some outreach things, um, partnering with the, their local NOMA's chapter, NOMA chapter. Um, I know that that's something that's been happening here um, in our state. We uh, partnered, our School of Architecture partnered with the AIA for their state conference, our state conference last year. Um, 
so that we can have a DEI panel. And um, I was actually a part of that panel discussion along with uh, Ray Manning and some other folks where we got this chance to just talk about what we do to change this pro uh, change this this trend and you know and get it to pick up a little bit more. Um, and we also showed all the things that are happening at the the academic level, um, particularly in our school of architectural design, in terms of addressing issues of DEI. So what's happening in the in our classrooms, what we're doing, the projects in our studio that address these issues of, of social equity out in the built environment um, and the work that the student has been doing. We've created an exhibit of work so that, you know, the conference goers who are mostly professionals out there practicing can see that the people that they will be hiring into their firms are being educated on this, this information and they are worth hiring. Um, and then we partnered uh, just uh, earlier this later last year and started earlier this year with Noma, Louisiana. And they are, they, they've taken that exhibit and built it out and they are connecting with the professionals in the New Orleans metropolitan area and showing off that exhibit for them now. So that's at the Taylor Warehouse um, in New Orleans. Um, so we have a, a lot of, of, of things that are happening here. And I've been hearing, you know, just about, you know, and, and staying up on all of the things that have been happening just across the country with firms partnering with their AIA chapters, with their local NOMA chapter, with NOMA National. Um, I believe NOMA National at the last AIA conference actually had a panel, um, their own sort of session where they could talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think that that, that all of these partnerships are great. So great things happening. Um, but of course, you know, more could be happening. But um, I'm, I'm, this more than what I saw as a as a young you know student coming out of school, much more than what what I saw happening. So I'm I'm encouraged by that. So my question was, as professionals that are in the industry, and we know it's flawed and it's got a history attached to it, we have a lot of people who are coming into the field that we can um, help support in their businesses. And they aren't having to come through in a more traditional sense of design, especially interior design programs. What are some things that you're seeing that are working that we can be doing to help uh, foster that environment? We need to get professionals to reach back into, into schools, definitely. Um, I think understanding that, that, uh, that, that sometimes they just need to be able to see a face that's out there doing it. Um, and telling them how important this is, is, is an imperative. Um, you know, also just kind of, if, if we can get professionals that are working in areas that are a little bit non-traditional or working for clients that are non-traditional, um, you know, that are, that are sort of uh, doing projects that might be out of the norm or might, might be out of sort of like what we, um, you know, uh, believe is, is well, this is the style, this is the aesthetic, right? Um, then we, we, we are opening up, you know, ideas about what is good design. We are opening up that, that conversation a little bit more. And I, and I say that because I, you know, over the years, you know, just being in a department, as, as Jason kind of mentioned earlier, you know, you, you are a face that, that is re recognizable, familiar, and comfortable to a lot of your students of color. So they would come to me, um, that included our interior design students. They'd come to me and they'd say, listen, um, come on, I'm having this issue or I'm, I'm feeling a little way about this. And one of the most common things that they would, they would come to talk to me about um, 
was was they would feel that their their design choices or the things the decisions that they were made were, were being made were being rejected not because they were good but because they didn't fit a certain kind of belief about what was good design um and you know i, I had a, one student in particular who um her, she was doing her senior project it was based in madagascar which is very different from the rest of her um classmates and and so she was very much into studying the, the tribes there, I think, which was a fishing tribe in Madagascar and their aesthetic and their beliefs and the things that they make and really starting to create a space um, that speaks to them and their culture rather than something that just kind of fits whatever else we see in the world. And she got a lot of pushback about that. And, you know, I it, it took some advocacy from me just to say, listen, you know, get away from what we think about in the Western world about good design and think about what the people of Madagascar, which is the place where she's designing for, want, need, and think of as good as good design, right? What they need for their own cultural, you know, sort of autonomy and, and, and expression. I said, and that's not gonna look like anything that's being done in the West. And, and, and I don't think we should be asking the student to, to do what will be doing done in the West, we should be asking the student to think about what the clients need and that perspective and, and, and just getting, you know, that understanding to, to people, people's brain to switch off that natural tendency to just go to what we're already biased to think is, oh, this is, this is, that's not working. Getting people to switch that off and think a little bit more critically, um, just, just gets them to say, okay, I'm thinking about this. I'm looking at this through the wrong lens. And I need to look at this through a more inclusive lens. And so it's it's that kind of thing. It's it's just recognizing that everything is not good for everybody, you know, and 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 our students recognize that when they get the chance to speak for somebody and speak for a group of people that don't get to speak for themselves, they take it and they push the envelope because they understand those people are being left out of design decisions and not a part of that 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 process. So yes, I think the, the, we need to have, you know, some of those professionals realizing that, but we also need to have our educators, you know, just being a little bit more thoughtful about, you know, how we can be inclusive in terms of, uh, our, you know, education and design education. That's awesome. I do think that there's a lot of um, whitewashing that happens in design and, um, and in some of that, it sort it becomes exclusionary of uh, of other visions and other aesthetics, and it actually takes away from the whole industry as a whole, and it causes a limitation. and And I love your perspective on that. Right, and you know, the I want to add to that that it it always blows me away when some of those same things that I see my students kind of bringing up and saying, "Oh, I want to show this in the classroom," that get kind of rejected. Um, they end up showing up later in in the industry somewhere with somebody who had, who does have sort of like this power and approval can put that forth and now all of a sudden it's accepted so it's like okay that print i know a student that you know years ago picked that print you know for you know their their, their um finishes or something and somebody shut it down and said that's too tribal and then all of a sudden you know it's being used and in the industry it's a big thing and it's like oh wow now tribal prints are in you know so <laughs> It's it's it blows me away every time just the way that those things kind of kind of unfold 
And I think we need to take a long look at why they unfold in that way. Who's benefiting when that when that idea is accepted, you know, and and why isn't it accepted when a student of color is put in? I love all of that. I love all of that. So for designers, you touched on this briefly. How can designers become more involved in the diversity realm to help change the outcomes that we see now? I think that that designers can be getting more involved. Um, but one way that I think that would be great is I, I know you all have been seeing they've been, they've been having these sort of master class, you know, things happening with all these, you know, professionals or, or elite, you know, elite people in their field across the, you know, the globe. And, and I think that 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 format, the format of having somebody come into to schools, design schools, and maybe just teach a master class on what they do is great. So we don't have a lot of minority, you know, designers out there, but we do have some and they're doing amazing things across the, the globe. And if we could get them, you know, to come into our schools and just just do a master class, that could be the one thing that that changes somebody's mind and said and somebody say, oh, you know what? It is worth it for me to remain in this major. It's worth it for me to pursue this as a career because look at what this person is doing. Um, out there, like I, I can do this, um, or give somebody who n- who never knew that they could go uh, uh, take certain risks or go a certain route with what they're doing. Get them to see the options and 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 the uh, and what's available to them. I think that that would be um, valuable. So that's one of the things that I think that we can do um, to get professionals more involved with schools and get the idea out there about what the profession is really like and the types of, of work they, they'll be able to engage in. I know you've had this position for almost a year now, has it been? You know, a little under a year. <laughs> so I, I we're- jumped into the position of chief diversity <laughs> officer in October, um, but been at the university for almost, uh, for, for nine years now. Now in this new position, where do you see yourself taking the university in the diversity realm within the next five to 10 years? So what what I am really interested um, in is is definitely pushing forward forward a a sort of a research effort, you know, for diversity. Um, my predecessor came up with this idea um, uh, before I stepped in, but I was already kind of doing that from 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 my perspective as an educator, as a uh, as an academic, um, but. What, what people, what we have been doing for like the last 15 years in, in diversity, equity, and inclusion is telling people how important it is. It's important. We must do it. And this is why, right? Which is great. Um, what we have found over the last few years is that when you put the data behind it, when you show that there's a financial imperative, that there are dollars lost, like dollars that are significant amount of dollars lost because you are not doing DEI work, because you're not addressing those students of color, then then you start to realize, oh, this is much more, you know, dire than we think. And and it because it looks so different across the different fields for, for a variety of reasons, you know, I'm really interested in seeing more research come out about this, not just research saying these are the numbers and the numbers are low, but research really looking at what impact that has on our society. 
in terms of money, in terms of social outcomes for, for people, in terms just overall for everybody. How does it harm us to not value diversity? And so we we are working on establishing a research arm out of the, uh, the Office of Campus Diversity, where departments across the university, where, where schools and colleges can partner with the, the, the Office of Campus Diversity on, on research initiatives that could not only get published information out there about their diversity issues and why they exist and what the problems and the issues are, but that those things can be translated into actual dollars so that the people at the top who don't think that this is important, who don't think this is an imperative, can see, ah, it is. Look at how much money you're losing. Look at how um, how many people you're leaving behind. Look at the impact it has long-term on your state because certain groups of people are not getting what they need and are not able to finish college and not able to, to or to get the education that allows them to, to go where they need to go. So um, that that's something that we're working on um, in this office in addition to all of the things um, that should be happening, which we should be thinking about facilities and inclusive signage and all of those things. We should think about trainings and allowing people to be trained on LGBTQ plus issues, on issues related to um, uh, women and, and, and issues uh, uh, that are uh, affecting people in terms of uh, bias and racism. Um, so th- we're continuing all of those things, but also thinking about how do we how do you how do you make this this effort legitimate how do you get the data on your side to 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 be an extra argument for it Kawana, I have a question for you that's coming more from the like the public relations and marketing side and the media side. And it's just I, I'm curious to get your perspective on what the representation of diverse designers and architects is, especially in the media, mm. because I will say that I've definitely noticed and I, I follow what journalists are looking for and what they cover um, in this space, right? And I've definitely seen an increase in interest um, to feature Mm -hmm. designers and architects, especially designers, that's more where I specialize, but Mm -hmm. that have a diverse background. And I think that's really encouraging, you know, so I'm, I'm sure there's still certain titles that are not not quite as up to date as others. But there were a lot, still, um, there are a lot of requests that come out and they say, they sometimes will explicitly say um, diverse diverse designers are preferred, you know, are given preferential treatment. And I think that's that's necessary probably to close that gap. Mm -hmm. And I think something similar um, is happening with a lot of brands and the marketing materials that they are producing, you know, that there's more awareness that they need to be more inclusive with how they speak to their customers and how they represent them in their materials. So I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Yes, I, I, I too have seen an uptick in, in just the number of, of diverse designers and, and, and people of color, particularly people who are activists in this realm, being asked to kind of speak out you know, about what the issues they see and the trends and what they and what they think should happen going forward. And I, I too think that that's, that's good. Um, you know, I think uh, that in, in terms of, of 
of the of the the people who are are in charge of, of of ensuring that like it's it's important and it's it's become a big thing because we we are realizing that 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 the that the message has to be there the it's not just about are is your organization or is your company actually working on diversity issues but how are they talking about it and is the messaging out there inclusive and is the messaging really thinking about all aspects of that? And so I think um, the, the inclusion of all of those people are not only, you know, a, a signal that this is important, but also a signal that we need somebody else to kind of be the one to look at it, at all of this and tell us if we're being inclusive or not. And, you know, it's 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 such an interesting thing because, you know, just like I, I talked earlier about how my, my white students are wanting to know more about, you know, these things so they can ser- better serve the public, you know, the, the, that's something that we hope, you know, we hope that in the future, we, you know, those, it'll already be something that everybody knows what to do. But we've spent so many years having one general phenotype, you know, in the that kind of design profession representing everything that, that we have a, a, a number of people who have been working in the profession 30 years, 40 years, who just don't know. They don't know what is the right messaging? It's so completely different, you know, because for so long, so so many perspectives have been left out. So I think it's being done out of necessity, you know, in order to realize that we cannot embarrass ourselves, you know, by um, by allowing, um, you know, people who don't understand and who, who are very clear on what we need to do to come out there and speak, you know, for our, for our, for our company, for our, for our entity. Um, but it but it's also going to probably become less and less of an imperative and it'll just it's it's more the more we get diverse you know we diversify the more we'll have people out there who's going to speak on those things and then everybody everybody will just become well versed in making and ensuring that all perspectives are heard and understanding where their blind spots are and, and, and seeing those blind spots and so that we um that it won't become such a like just like you said Hey, we specifically want a person of color. It won't be so so much of a of a of a line item anymore when when everybody is well versed on you yeah. know. It'll clean. just be the way it is, right? right. That, that'll just be the way it is. So I, I think that it will it will increase, but it will also it, it will also be that we won't have we won't need to reach out. <laughs> you know, we won't need to rush around and try to find someone who's a person of color. To, to kind of kind of speak, we 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 will get to the place where everybody will just kind of understand. Oh no, this is what we need to do. Anybody can really, you know, who's in that realm can speak on it. We had a influencer who made the comment that if she gets asked to participate in something or be on a panel, the first thing she asks is, "Is it a diverse panel?" Mm-hmm. She will ask that first before she will accept. And I think that just by having that as a prerequisite and to understand if you're just going to be another one of the same that's going to be on the panel, that that is your opportunity to to help remind people of what we want to hear. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the the on the opposite side of that, um, you know, I I will often ask, you know, if I'm if I'm asked to to sit on a panel or join a committee or something like that, I will often ask, I'm not being asked just because, just so that you can check the box, right? 
<laughs> like, like I don't, I don't want to to sit on any any board that's try, just trying to check a box and say, okay, we got somebody black, we did it. No, you know, are we actually going to be addressing these issues um, in a real and meaningful way? Um, and 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 I think that when when I've made that clear, you know, that that people are realizing, oh, we we are not just going to have somebody just sit here. <laughs> she wants to to know that we're doing something about it. So I'm I'm happy to hear that those things are happening. I, I've also been hearing, you know, about those things happening, Maria, and all across the country in different ways. Um, we recently had a, a um, someone who came in as a visiting professor um, last semester at our school who used to be um, the head of the architecture department um, uh, at Dunwoody. And he um, he said, and I think the reason why he stepped down was this is not a time, because that was in Minnesota, of course, and you know, it was right after the George Floyd thing. He's like, this is not a time for this department to be ran by a white man. Just It's just not. And he, he kind of realized that that, that was uh, not a, a good look nor was it nor was he the person to lead them in in this this in this new era that they're in um especially with that issue happening right there you know not very far from their campus so um i'm, I'm i applaud everybody who's doing that work the people who realize it's not someone trying to replace someone like i don't want anybody to be replaced because actually i love all perspectives in the design profession but we, but we do need to realize that that um, that that innovation and 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 success and growth comes from diversity. You know, companies who have, you know, you know, especially the our Fortune 500 companies and our big corporations, they they did the research and they know that their dollars depend on them understanding the diverse needs of their clients and the people they are um, serving. And so they make sure that their teams of people, um, you know, have all of these perspectives. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, the, the design profession getting on board. But I think schools of architecture, you know, schools of design, um, you know, should should look at this through the same lens as corporations. You know, that you have, if you could want to continue to get bodies in the seats at your university, if you want to continue, if you want to be able to 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 keep your firm going you are going to need to be looking to, to hire and recruit diverse talent. I have to say, as we close this out, that I am so proud of you. <laughs> I mean, because honestly, um, I've just been hearing you and I've just like, this is the same person that would not take no for an answer in the classroom. And I know whatever you put your mind to, you will accomplish. So I am so proud of you hearing all of this. And uh, if there is anyone out there that, wants to get in contact with you to help out or to see how they can be a change agent. Mm-hmm. How do they contact you? Uh, yes, they can contact me directly at my email, Kiwana, K-I-W-A-N-A dot McClung, M-C-C-L-U-N-G at Louisiana.edu. And I'd be happy to talk with anybody about that. Uh, I'm on Facebook as well. So you can just look up Kiwana McClung on Facebook and, and Instagram. Um, you can you can send a message to to soad at louisiana.edu or diversity at louisiana.edu and I, I will get the message if that's easier for you. Um, but th- thank you, Jason. Like Jason, you were one of the 
you know, very first, um, you know, professors that that really just kind of pushed me and challenged me. Um, and I know that I was one of those stubborn students. I have not lost that stubbornness <laughs> at all. It is still in me. And I direct it in other in other ways and other places now. Um, but but I um, I am I, I, I am so happy that you asked me to to come back and good to see you too, Jason. I, you know, it's, uh, I think a, a lot about those early years of my architectural education and they very much shaped um, who I am today and why I do the things that I do and why I fight for, for people because um, the people who were doing those things, I saw what was, what was possible. I had, you know, uh, people of color who are out there practicing as architects, as academics, as designers who um, to look to and I know a lot of my students don't have that, you know, so um, I appreciate having you as that example so that I can be the example for others. I'm honored. And we have enjoyed having you here. And if there's any way that we can help out in the future, let us know, because as you know, this is a passion of mine and we will be having a follow up to this in the future. So if you're interested, reach out to Kawana mm -hmm. and we will be talking about this in the future. And we hope to hear you all next week on Designer Discussions. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Designer Discussions. What was your takeaway? Care to share your thoughts and tag Jason, Maria, and Miriam on social media? You can find them on all platforms at designerdiscussions.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review or comment for this episode from wherever you are listening.